Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, it's Brett Ballantini here hosting Southside Sox podcast number 30. And we're tripling up with Sean Williams. It's Camelback Confidential number three. All right, let's figure this out. Three games Sean Williams has shot for Southside Sox. Three wins. Not coincidentally, the first game he shoots probably starts. I could track it. I haven't looked at the schedule, but probably started this hot streak to end the spring. So White Sox. We know you're listening, maybe even watching. You might be one of the five or six. Get this guy the Camelback Ranch. If not Chicago, get him the Camelback Ranch. Lucky Charm. It's Lucky Charm, Sean Williams. Welcome to your very own Camelback Confidential. Glad to be here, and, and I'm glad someone brought it up and I didn't have to do it. You know, they say numbers don't lie, and the team's undefeated while I'm out there. So I, I think I should just keep going. And, you know, if they lose a couple along the lines, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and I can just stick around for a little while. This is not the Dugout Metrics podcast, but listen, we pay attention, you and I both, Sean, enough to the numbers to know, come on, 3-0 and is 3-0. and That's a – let me do the math quick. I think that's 162-win pace over the course of a regular season. I like those odds. I think they need to be dialing you up. It could be the best team ever, and I can play a, a major part in it. Who would have thought? <laughs> Get Sean in the front office. Okay, until you're in the front office, Sean, you've been shooting uh, a Saturday, Saturday, and then this past Sunday, awesome uh, comeback win. Um, but I'm interested to know, you've given us a little taste. Uh, I think the first uh, podcast we got back on together, just of sort of what the process, stepping through what your process was and sort of sneaking uh, back to the backfields and shooting there, which was sort of some cool insight. 
And now I guess I'd like to start this one before we get to the very obvious roster uh, issues and the fact that the team took off in the second half of spring training. I'd like to talk a little bit about the things that you've noticed shooting, um, perhaps some tendencies of players, little things you've noticed being there that we're not going to see on a TV broadcast, or we might not even see if we're in the stands at the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of now that fans are in the stands, this is kind of a cool aspect to see again, is just like the different players that interact with fans and, and, you know, who gets big round of applause, stuff like that. So um, in in terms of like interaction and stuff, Tim Anderson is definitely up there as someone who is shocking, right? Someone who's always interacting with the fans, you know, the way it's set up over at Camelback Ranch and and all spring training um, stadiums for, for what I know is the players, you know, they walk along the outfield line and up to the dugout when they come in and, you know, some guys do like a little wave and and like acknowledge that way, but, you know, not really doing too much, but uh, Tim Anderson, you know, anytime someone says something to him, he'll look over to him. He'll say something back. Like there was this one game, I think it was the second one I went to some guy was wearing uh, a Tim Anderson bat flip shirt and he was pointing it out to him. He's like, Tim, look, Tim, look. And, uh, he was like, I need a bat flip today. And he was like, I got you. You already know. So um, stuff like that's cool to see. So you Wait, get a little Sean, bit of that. Are, you, are you referring to the world famous SB Nation, Southside Sox, Breaking Tea, Stick Talk? Or is there some kind of weird bootleg bat flip t-shirt? It was, it was a different one. Oh, come um, on. It was just a little picture of him. And, and, and it was like the backside of him doing the bat flip. Oh, for crying out. Had to interrupt, but now I wish I hadn't. Okay, please continue. I should have had a, a shirt. <laughs> Just giving stuff away. Sure. Let me get you set up with, with something. <laughs> it's promo night. Um, so it's cool. To see. And, you know, Tim's kind of taken that, that mentality to be leader of the team and stuff. So obviously, you know, you kind of expect someone like him to do that. And it's always nice to, to see it. Um, then other than that, you know, I was on the backfields for a little bit. There wasn't a whole lot going on there. I did notice that Zach Collins and Gavin Sheets spent a lot of time together. Um, I, I truthfully, I don't know if this is something that they've done in the past or not. Um, but even like in the dugout and stuff, when they were both on the bench, they, they were side by side then too. So it's kind of interesting to see kind of, you know, like who's hanging out with who got to see um, Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet play catch with each other one day, which is cool really loud catch too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then other than that, you know, you get to see the way spring training works too, is when players are subbed out, they leave the same way they came in. So in between innings, they'll walk back out, you know, right where they came in. So fans will get to see him again. And, you know, you got like Abreu and TA and, and Mikata that get big round of applause and stuff from people. But Eli, he is by far and away the fan favorite. And it's sad to bring up because we're not going to get to see him for a long time, but he got a, just a massive round of applause every single time. And you know, his personality, he's a, he's a bubbly guy. So he was eating it all up, you know, putting his fist in the air, clapping his hands, smiling, tipping the cap. So it was, it was, it's obviously awesome to be back in a baseball stadium and, and see live baseball, but you know, seeing stuff like that's really cool too. It's telling with Eloy, uh, given that the one shot I think I've seen of him, after injury uh, with, you know, he was slinged and yet he's still gesturing to the camera. He's still smiling. I don't know what it's going to take for the guy to have a bad day, but I don't know that we've seen it since he's been a member of the White Sox. So, you know, good for him there putting a, trying to put a smile in a really uh, grim and, and rough situation. I always felt, man, 
you want to talk about being a VIP. You might feel like a VIP because you're right up there on the rail. You're taking shots. You're roaming where you want to go. But when you're a beat writer and it's the end, oh, well, not even the end of the game, you go to talk to um, the starting pitcher after he's removed in game uh, because that starting pitcher wants to ice and get the heck out of there before the game's over spring, right? You know, you get to just like, you know, you like walk along the field. After the game, you go down, you go onto the field to walk through to get back. You know, you feel like you should be there. And let's face it. One look at me says I shouldn't be there on the field, but you know, still you're like, oh yeah, okay. You know, granted, there's probably 50 people left. So you're like, yeah, yep, yeah, right, yep, yeah, no autographs. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know. Um, so uh, okay, three uh, wins. What? Let's talk about the comeback win against Arizona. Yep. Uh, big flurry. What was it? A, a six spot, five spot, or something? Uh, uh, late eighth inning, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, with I think pretty much i don't say scrubs but certainly not the starting lineup so the fact that the white Sox have shown some fight here in the second half of spring training turn their losing record their dismal record with 600 ties uh into now um above 500 to the point where now they can't have a losing spring which i don't think any of us would have guessed uh 10 games in um you know what have you seen and uh you know what does it say about these guys uh, you know, not giving up even in the spring, but, you know, wanting to show because the fight looks like I can have the show we'll get to, but the fight for those roster spots uh, is fierce. And these guys are really putting it on the line. Yeah. So it definitely, you nail it there. It's been like two completely different seasons from the team and kind of just like one thing I noticed, you know, like granted, I'm not able to watch like every single game, but I still try to keep up with it and stuff during the week and whatnot. But kind of one thing I noticed is you're getting like, a little bit of everything with, with the Sox from spring training, especially towards the end of it, where you'll have a couple of games where the starters, you know, they're firing away and they're looking awesome and, and they're scoring runs. Everyone's picking up hits. And then you have games like uh, Sunday where it's a bunch of unsung heroes and the subs come in and, you know, you get those, those fresh legs and, and, and fresh bats in the lineup and, and they're, you know, fighting for a spot or, or fighting for, you know, an affiliation that they're being sended to and, and they're playing hard. So you, you kind of, you got to be pleased for the most part with top to bottom, a lot of the stuff you're seeing. And that's just kind of how it's been. It's like been one way or the other with the Sox, but Hey, someone's contributing to a win. So I'm not going to complain, you know, who, who's taking part in it that day. We are incorporating Sean Williams's shots uh, into our coverage. We'll be doing that all year. The first shot we used for an actual game recap, and let me tell you, if anybody had this guy in the pool for the first Sean Williams shot we we're going to use for a recap, if anybody picked Marco Hernandez, please get in touch with me because you need to handle all my financial planning and all of my decisions to ever play the lottery because uh, that was an interesting one, you know. And I, listen, you know, the guy had I, what amounted, I think, to the game-winning uh, single in that rally. And uh, it's like, okay, wait. There are no shots available uh, you know, through the usual means. Uh, maybe there wasn't even somebody shooting uh, that game from, from Getty UC today. They, they certainly weren't up quickly. So it's like, all right, I'm pretty sure I saw Marco Hernandez shot. And in fact, I saw, we in fact have several Marco Hernandez shots from Sean, which is great. And that's what really helps us. I mean, you know this from shooting uh, the, the rookie action, even more so than the fall league, the rookie league in Arizona, getting those guys is invaluable particularly back in the day when their next stop was going to likely be Great Falls, which is a, is a very challenging place to have a contact. I've, I've never found one in all the years I've been doing this. 
to get somebody to shoot or, or, or write or, or report from there. So you've got this dead zone that could last a season plus between getting them then to Kannapolis, where we have a lot of coverage, or Winston-Salem, where we have coverage. Uh, so it makes it really crucial for you to sort of get them between DSL, which, again, is sort of like invisible, and Gray Falls, which wasn't, uh, or which wasn't visible. Uh, so, you know, the fact that at this stage in the major league camp, the major league slash alternate site camp, you know, you're able to get some of these guys who you might not think, oh, well, do they matter? Are they going to make the team? Whatever. Hey, it's, it's valuable to have. And the fact that we, the more names we can get sort of in the Rolodex uh, to know we got something, it's invaluable to me. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, of course. I, I'll be honest. I used to just go into it way back when I started. Um, and I used to just be like, all right, I got a handful of guys that I want to get pictures of and and that'll be it. But then quickly and over time, I, I learned, you know, you can never have enough shots of anyone because for websites like us and stuff, you never know when you're going to need them. And it's good to just have it just in case. So now I'm, now I'm at the point where I'm just, I'm taking pictures of everyone and, and everything. So probably more than I need, but Hey, like I said, you, you, you can never have enough, I guess. As long as at some point you can identify who it is you shot, then, you know, then you're good. If you have a big, uh, dead letter <laughs> file of guys like, geez, I don't know. Is he a trainer? Is he a kid? Oh my God. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. We've, we've established three, no, and the white Sox need to hire you. Okay. That we, we won't, we won't keep beating that and I'll keep you from having to do it by mentioning it myself, but definitely a hot streak to, uh, end the spring. And though it's still spring and, you know, uh, the second half is where it counts more because that first half of spring was like the ridiculous, like four and a half inning games and just call, mm. call innings off. And now uh, the game, we just decided randomly the game's going to go five innings and two outs. Uh, these more or less, these last couple of weeks have been, you know, more or less real games. Uh, so if you had to do well in one half or the other, you're obviously going to choose ramping up to the season in the first place, but also that these are more real games. And I imagine even in this, this last one Sunday, you know, the realness and the feel of it was probably more intense, even than maybe say uh, the, that first angels game, uh, you shot. Do you think there's something to be made of the fact that the team's putting together at the right time? We got one more spring game before the season starts. Uh, that they're ending the spring so well, and that could catapult them into a good uh, a road trip to begin the season. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, obviously, like spring training isn't the be all end all, but like you were just saying here, like we're getting close to the regular season. It starts this week. You know, they're we're, they're playing nine innings. Starting pitchers are going. You know the goal is to do five, maybe a little more. So it's, it's pretty dang close to like about a real game at this point. So I think them kind of clicking and, and guys, you know, being out there and playing more often than say they did before in, in the beginning of spring training kind of, you know, says a lot says that they're ready to go. They're not, you know, taking it lightly and, and they're out there getting good reps and getting meaningful reps and just getting ready to rock and roll here for Anaheim. All right, we are going to take a short break. We're going to get into the machinations of the roster, which is not, none of those machinations are official, but we, hey, it's a podcast. We can speculate, and we're going to do that in the second half. I'll be back with Sean in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, if you blinked and you're watching us, hey, we're back. No commercial message at all. I think there was just one on the podcast, so there you go. It's a very important one, though, so please pay attention to whatever it said. Throw down the money for whatever it asked you to buy because, well, we wouldn't give you some shoddy advertisement in the middle of the South Side Sox podcast number 30. I'm here with Sean Williams, who's our Camelback confidential dude. He's been shooting games for us. Uh, We're hoping he'll be able to continue to shoot as phase two spring training begins with all the other guys, uh, double A, both single A's, uh, rookie guys perhaps um show up in glendale uh as everything gets changed out once camp breaks here this week and we're hearing some stuff about the roster sean and it's surprising stuff none of it's official Uh, i think the closest to official is it certainly seems like jonathan Lacroix has uh asked for his release i'm gonna speculate here tell me if it sounds right that the Sox told LaCroix that he could be, uh, of course, he has the option to go to Schaumburg, I suppose, but that if he, he could make the roster, but he would be the clear third catcher and the reps wouldn't be, that they were looking at Zach as the backup. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have outright said, you're not making the team, but either way, you can understand why with the spring he had 333, 478 on base, uh, called a game that, Dallas Keuchel went out of his way to rave about, which I thought made him a lock to be on the team because it seems to me like Tony LaRusso's most important criteria for a catcher is the game he calls. That's a, probably a Yachty Molina holdover thing. But uh, so I'm sort of shocked that they're apparently taking this direction. But just as the first piece of several we're going to talk about here was your reaction to hearing that LaCroix, contrary to what we all thought, wasn't even going to be on the White Sox this year. Yeah, well, my first reaction was we wasted so much time talking in past podcasts about how he was definitely going to make the team and Zach Collins did no shots. That that was my first thought. But um, I'll be honest, I was actually a little surprised and I kind of started looking back on it a little bit too. And he really hasn't played that much recently. So I don't know if this has kind of been in the works for a little bit, but, you know, he went from playing pretty frequently, you know, a couple times a week, even as a, as a sub in a game to like really not playing at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised. He seemed like a Tony LaRusa guy, someone that he wanted to bring into the organization. And, you know, you got to tip your, your cap and give a lot of credit to Zach Collins. I know part of it does the reason he's making the team doesn't involve Eloy being hurt and kind of having to shift around who's playing where now, but you know, he, he had an awesome spring and, and he battled for his spot and he won. Um, so you gotta give, you gotta give a lot of credit to him. And obviously, you know, we got Yermi and Mercedes too. That was surprising as well. I know we, we didn't talk about it yet, but now, now we can kind of trickle into that too. He's making yeah. the team too, which I think I was a little more surprised about that, to be honest. I mean, who doesn't love your mean Mercedes? Okay. And I appreciate we got a dog cameo. It's about time. It's been a long time since we've had one, Sean. Come on. I try to keep him quiet, but you know, I, I got home from work like shortly before I had to come up and record. So he's already mad at me. And listen, your pup heard that your mean Mercedes made the team. And he's like, I don't blame him. All right. So let's <laughs> talk about this. I love your mean Mercedes. He didn't have a good camp. He apparently has a pretty good gun. Uh, he seemed to lose that at some point, maybe 
um, late in his Sox minor league career. I don't think his numbers were that great at Charlotte, or I guess we're just talking about 2019. I don't know that it was that great in 2019. I think prior to that, he was indicating he was flashing a pretty good gun. And it seems like in spring games, for what that's worth, uh, he was gunning guys down. But he's not hes not a catcher. Um, the, if you had told me Jonathan McCoy is going to release because the Sox were going to go lean with two catchers, I'm going to say bold move. However, okay, that's the direction you're going. you got a lot of confidence. You guess Monty Grinnell's not going to get hurt. He wants to play 800 games a year. Okay. But the fact that they're still going with three catchers, your mean Mercedes, a right-handed bat, who's obviously suited for DH. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to be starting games at DH uh, from the right side. Uh, I'm just, I'm clearly, this is not a very efficient podcast moment because I'm flabbergasted. So please take over and I'm, I'm slow, Sean, explain to me why this is happening. You know, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I really didn't expect that. I mean, it's not official, but Right. He posted on his own Instagram account that he made the team. So I don't think he would just be doing that. Yeah, he's not shy on so social about... media. He's not, not <laughs> confident on social media. So I guess it's about as close to official as it can be with it still being unofficial. Um, you know, it was, it was really surprising. Um, he, he's not really a good catcher. That's, that's known to everyone. Like it's just how he is. So I don't know, maybe they like his bat and they're going to try to plug him in a little bit. There's, there's not going to be a time. All right. Your dog is, your dog is chewing your internet cord here. So I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Now is probably all good now. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was just saying, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of playing time for Yerman. You know, Zach Collins is, is going to be on the team. He's going to be the primary DH, especially against uh, right-handed pitchers, which they're going to see a lot of um, in Anaheim. So I guess, I don't know, maybe they're going to try to figure out a way to maybe put Yerman in against lefties or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think there's a ton of room for him to play, but he's an entertaining guy, another fan favorite. So, you know, I'm happy for him and he is, I will give him this. He has a really, really cool story. So him, being here and making the opening day roster. It's honestly awesome to see. So I'm happy for him. I'm sure a lot of people feel that same way, but it's going to be tough for him to find his way into the lineup. Okay. For those of you who, who routinely listen and God bless you for doing that. Thank you. Um, and never watch, please just for a second, maybe even pause this podcast, just go over to our YouTube channel You can click on it. It's, it's, it's in the, it's in the post uh, and take a look. Cause I want you to just watch a little because I seem to come across awfully angry all the time. I'm, I guess I'm perfect for talk radio because I'm always up in arms, but I'm smiling all the time. I'm laughing all the time. I'm gesturing all the time. So really I'm not as angry as I seem to come across, but Sean, okay, let's move on to the next piece, which is apparently a, a precious roster spot for the pennant aspiring Chicago White Sox is going to be taken up by Jake Lamb, who is a third baseman. He can play a little first. Apparently I've heard that he offered at some point somewhere somehow to play outfield, which would presumably be left field for a team when he was signing or auditioning or something, which is great. It doesn't mean he's ever played a single game 
in the major leagues in left field. So you might as well throw Andrew Vaughn out there. So it's not, a I was going to say, we field. got another one of those already. <laughs> so we have, we're going to devote a roster spot and let's just say we're catching lightning in a bottle. And then there's going to be some Tony Lewis magic that says that Jake Lamb is going to be hitting like he did in, I want to say 2016, 17. He had two really great years in Arizona for about three years. He's done nothing. He had an audition with Oakland at the end of last year and into the playoffs, faced the White Sox in the playoffs. Uh, where I think he had 13 games, kicked ass. Great. Good mm -hmm. for him. But again, I'm flat. You're going to have to, you're going to have to rescue me because I'm flabbergasted as to why, why, why this, why now, how, why, what are we doing? Yeah. It, it came at an interesting time because obviously, you know, where you should know it's Monday when we're recording this, we should know probably tomorrow what the White Sox roster is officially going to be. So obviously, you know, bringing some, signing someone today, you're, you're signing him with intent. So I think he's definitely going to be on the roster. Um, but I, you know, he was pretty good in Arizona for a couple of years, like you said, and obviously La Russa did work there before. So looks like we got another La Russa guy here, kind of, kind of some interesting ones so far. Maybe this one will stick around for a little bit longer. Um, but it's uh, interesting. He's okay depth, but he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really move the needle too much for me. I mean, he did have a small sample size, but he did have a nice little rebound in Oakland there. So I guess his most recent time on the field was, was okay. So I, I, I guess we'll just go with that. I'm going to, we're going to have to pause here. I'm going to need, I'm going to need uh, my makeup person to come in. Cause I'm, I feel I'm turning red and sweating just talking about this stuff. Okay. Going into, I think, I think I wrote this down when I was doing the, um, the dugout metrics with the guys last week, because we were talking a little bit about this stuff too. And Lord knows we did not know what was coming. So I think I had my uh, four man bench as Danny Mendick, who benefits from the, the injuries and they're going to need him for infield depth, given that Leori is going to be pretty much starting in the outfield. Jonathan LaCroix, which we all sort of guessed was going to be happening. Zach Collins, I did think a third uh, third catcher was going to happen. Again, the, the injury certainly helps that. But mm -hmm. maybe not even with the injury. I could see him maybe sneaking his way on there. I could see a reason to have a third catcher. And Billy Hamilton, because why not? We have Billy Hamilton, so I guess he's going to be on the team. Which is not an ideal bench, but given the injuries, okay, seems reasonable. Now we have Jake Lamb, who will back up at third base. You mean Mercedes, who will dump Gatorade on people. <laughs> Zach Collins, who's going to hit the crap out of the ball. He's going to be the backup catcher. He's going to sub in. He's going to obviously be a DH, um, I guess, against righties. And maybe uh, Vaughn gets a blow. I don't know. Okay. He's going to see some time, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And Billy Hamilton, again, cuz. Um, why not? I'm not, I don't, Collins aside, I don't know if I like any of this bench. I don't like, I'm not sure if I like any of, what the options were, I think I liked all of them better. I mean, even I might even prefer a Nick Williams to to a Billy Hamilton at this point. There's there's no again, you gave the caveat, and, and I guess it makes sense because this is going to be a silly um, uh, uh, um, fan fiction podcast. If it turns out everybody's wrong about what this roster is, and there's twelve more moves being made, I guess we'll just have to. I'll dial you up tomorrow, and we'll have another another quick Camelback Confidential <laughs> emergency to, podcast exactly to correct all the mistakes we made. But Leora Garcia is not playing in the infield. He's going to be starting in the outfield. In most cases, um, the infield depth is Leora Garcia, even if he's not the days he's not playing in the outfield. So we have one piece of infield depth. 
We got like eight first basemen. We got about 12 DHs. We have Billy Hamilton, which, okay, I guess if, if you're looking at him as your starter, then Leoria gets bumped to the infield and he can just be the infield sub. Um, it just seems strange. Um, I mean, is there a method to some madness here? I get that it's Jake Lamb in a bottle and because it's Tony, you know, things are going to go. And who cares? He's going to play once a week. You know, I understand we're, we're nitpicking uh, this, this bench, but okay. It's a bench for, again, a pennant aspiring team. And we should probably be scrutinizing um, those players 20 to 26. And we haven't got to the last pitcher. I don't think there's any controversy there. So it'll be a nice way to wind things up, but this bench has perplexed me and uh, you know, I don't want to be talked off a ledge because the lineup is great. Even without a it's strong, this team looks good. They're, they're putting together at the right time, but is there anything I'm missing here in terms of the, the, the wisdom or the logic um, that could play out better than I'm thinking? I mean, I'm no Danny Menick fanboy, but he provides flexibility and even the ability to get out there in left field. And you think a guy like LaRusso is going to like, He's going to manage, right? He's going to play 5D chess. And you think he would like the option to be able to switch guys around. And I'm not sure he's able to do that. There's, there's a lot of handcuffing going on here with this, with this bench. Yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but you know, you got to keep in mind too, that the injuries they're kind of getting hit with, they sort of had to scrap together a plan here kind of late in the spring. Um, I don't know. Lamb being left-handed and having some pop not having to play, you know, too often could be a nice little bench piece and you'll get Adam Engel back somewhat soon. I don't know how soon. So you can add him to that. I, I assume if I had to guess, he'll just take Billy Hamilton's spot when, yeah. you know, he's ready to go. So you'll get that as a nice little bench piece back. And Hey, you know, if, if Juan's out there playing left field, like he's kind of been trying and he ends up being someone that plays out there, more often than not, then you got Leary and, and, you know, Engel, obviously when he comes back and that's not as bad, but I don't know. It's just, I, it's hard for me to get worked up about it when they've kind of had to scrap together, you know, a piece or two here at the, at the very end of spring, but I get the concerns They're They're definitely valid. You'd like to see a little bit more depth, but they're, they're just doing what they can with what they have to work with. I guess. You can, you can be impolite, Sean. You can just tell me to shut up and calm down. It's all right. I mean, somebody needs to do that to me sometimes so okay good cop, bad words, cop right oh man we're back in that again when do I get to be the good cop? never never fails <laughs> all right well on the pitching side it really does seem like i mean obviously the the, the socks are stacked before we get to the last roster spot i'm going to answer my own question here but maybe you can confirm it for me uh i'm a little um hand-wringing a little bit about the fact that um uh keichel cease Lynn have not been efficient. Um, but then I tell myself, well, this bullpen should be able to take the ball in the sixth inning. So simmer down, Brett. Uh, I know you don't want four innings out of your bullpen necessarily every game, but the way this bullpen is built, I, you could probably by and large get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like, uh, like there, Lance Lynn has been kind of a little bit wild and uh, he was a big starting pitching acquisition. So you'd like to see, see him pound the strike zone a little bit more, especially a guy that's relying on fastballs and that's becoming his go-to, but uh, Dylan C said, I don't know. I could be wrong, but didn't he have like a perfect ERA or he still does. So, you know, he might, he might be walking some guys, but 
You can't get much oh, more yeah. perfect than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I liked what he saw. He showed a little bit more fastball command and, you know, I, I think he's just a guy where, where walks are kind of always going to be a thing with him. So it's just a matter of how much he can keep that in control and, and not get like too wild on us. But I don't know. I, you know, I have always been the the person that's like, Oh, I'm not going to read into spring training too much, but I definitely, there's been some times where I've been like, I kind of want to see a little bit more out of these guys, especially Lance Lynn, but hey, he's a veteran. So maybe he was just kind of, going out there and just getting his, his arm ready as opposed to having like a specific game plan and stuff like that. But we'll see, you know, warming up for basketball games. I used to um, say, you know, you know what in warmups, you don't want to make every shot. You need to get some of your misses out. You need to get your misses out. <laughs> so maybe Lance Lynn's like, I'm getting all my miss up, setting everybody. He's playing the long game. He's setting yeah, he, everybody up like, man, he's lost it. And then he's, he, he's, he's got eight war and he's Cy Young in the regular season. I'm all, I'm all in for that. You know. I like the way you're thinking now. See, now you're a good cop. Turn it around. Uh, okay. Last bullpen spot seems to be, especially because some of these decisions have been made. Jimmy Cadero out for the season with Tommy John surgery, Renato Lopez, who we probably would have thought was sort of a lock as that swing guy, as a guy who's going to sort of continue to get the tutelage from Ethan Katz. Um, you know, he's not going to be wowed by the majors. He's just going to adjust a new role. No, they want him starting. So he's going to Schaumburg. Frankly, they want him starting might be code for we want him off the team, but okay. You know, either way, he's not going to be with the White Sox. Seems like it's coming down to Jose Ruiz and Nick Turley, who the White Sox just picked up off uh, waivers from Oakland. Uh, and that's specifically not only because they, they have dynamite arms, but because they are out of options. So basically, one guy is going to make the team and one guy is likely not going to ever be with the White Sox again because it seems doubtful either one of those guys are going to pass through waivers without any claim. Turley came close. He made it all to the White Sox, but I, I don't necessarily see it happening. So any insight as to what's going to happen there? Turley has a Ethan Katz connection that unfortunately Jose Ruiz, Ruiz does not, and that could make the difference. Left-handedness could make the difference, but uh any insight as to how that might play out? Uh, you, you pretty much just took all the words right out of my mouth there. I was going to say, you know, Turley's left-handed. He'll, he'll give you a little bit of a balance. And I, has, I think he's pitched once this spring, if that. And he's got the Ethan Katz connection. He, you know, obviously, if they claimed him, he's someone that Nick – or I was going to say Nick Katz, Ethan Katz, might be able to tinker with and, and, and play around with and get something out of him. but. You know, it, it's just, it's it's not like a bullpen arm where I'm going to be like upset one way or the other. It just kind of is what it is. You know, Turley hasn't exactly had a phenomenal pro career and Jose Ruiz is what he is at this point. So I, I would probably just give the edge to Nick Turley just based on connections. That's <laughs> it's really, it's what I think. Yeah. I mean, he's inning with the White Sox was a two walk inning. So, I mean, it's certainly not, you're not going to drive decisions like this from spring training stats, but so we can't really look at that uh, at all. Jose has been used quite a bit, but mm-hmm. then so is uh, Felix Paulino. So, I mean, you know, guys, guys, that doesn't really mean anything, you know, either necessarily. So I guess we'll see. Uh, that's sort of like a no lose and all lose, no lose situation with Sox is they are pretty clearly going to lose the other guy, but they got a ton of good arms, uh, hopefully ready to sub in. Cause you know, it's going to happen sooner than we want it to, uh, to sub in, hopefully not for the rotation, but you know, maybe in the bullpen. Um, 
And otherwise, there might not be painful moves made, particularly given that Aloy can go to the 60-man injured list and they can punt a a 40-man decision there. And they could do the same with Jace Fry. I know he's a lot less of a a lock as a a guy who's out 60 more days, but it does seem like they weren't talking about anything more than May. So if they just push that to say, all right, you start your rehab at the end of May, he's already going to be doing whatever he needs to do in Schaumburg. Um, You know, that's another decision they can punt. And then, you know, Billy Hamilton's got to go. Or if Oh, I don't know. Jake Lamb, if Jake Lamb's got to go, um, you know, then that's a decision they can make then. Who, who knows what else has happened or what other injuries happen that, that mean everybody stays because, you know, another guy got hurt. Hopefully not. But uh, it seems a little silly to prematurely make these decisions if they can just stash a couple guys on the on the 60 man. Anyway, obviously, Eloy is going there because he's not probably coming back all year, certainly not to the end of the year. So it doesn't seem like a lot of pain has to be inflicted aside from this Ruiz versus Turley when it comes to the cutdowns. But then who knows what else the White Sox have up their sleeve? Uh, who they might, who else they might decide to just bring in? Uh, I guess the one thing you can say for your mean is that he's on the 40 man already. So there's no difficulty in that decision. And I, I think that probably worked against Jonathan LaCroix as well. I'm not sure why that necessarily parlayed into your mean Mercedes being a third catcher on this team. But certainly having to uh, maneuver and, uh, and dicker with the 40 man in order to get LaCroix, who maybe wasn't going to play very much, you know, on your team, you know, I guess I could. But see, look, I, I've, I've, I've could cop myself. I'm happy now. Yeah. I got you're, nothing to complain about. You're back. You're, you totally understand everything now. It all, it all makes sense. <laughs> I just keep looking at the screen. I see this little dude here and I'm like, all right, how can I be unhappy when I've got a guy right in front of me who's just just happy to be alive and on (laughs) podcast he's just reminding you to smile that's all all right he's never going anywhere then uh all right well sean uh hopefully you know uh white Sox uh, response is pending hopefully we are going to be able to uh, get you out to do some coverage of sort of phase two of uh and arguably you know for our purposes maybe the more important phase of spring training getting a lot of these guys who are new to the organization uh and you know who are you know who are just back who maybe you don't even have a lot lot in the files of um, uh, to help us out when the minor league updates start wrapping up and hopefully uh, somewhere down the line again, fingers crossed the season starts in May. Uh, you hopefully are going to be able to pitch in on some of our minor league writing as well. Some of our uh, nightly updates, which are more detailed than you're going to find anywhere else on that World Wide web. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff for you to do. I'm, I'm ready to just keep you working. Although if uh, oh my goodness. I think you've frozen on me. So I'm going to just talk to your frozen faces. I wind this podcast. Oh, no, maybe, maybe not now. I heard the dogs barking or man, this has been an exciting podcast. It's, there must be a meteor storm going on. Monday nights are crazy in my house. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's like, there's no football. <laughs> what do we watch? Um, so yeah, well, winding it up, uh, definitely be looking for Sean's photos and certainly some of his writing covered throughout the, the year. Again, fingers crossed we have a good close to full season in the minors and we have access via Southside Sox to uh, continue shooting at Camelback. I don't see why we shouldn't, but I've been wrong before. So uh, thanks for doing these three sort of uh, part one, two, and three of Camelback Confidential. And I am all good for continuing doing them uh, if you're able to to be there, or even if you're not, to uh, to cover Camelback Phase two, as most of our attention goes towards the minor leagues, uh, still, there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting attention paid to, you know, still some pretty plum prospects that you're going to be uh, seeing there in Glendale. 
Yeah, I would love to uh, be able to go back and, and do it again here for phase two. Definitely, like you're saying, some interesting people, some new faces that maybe no one's seen yet. They're going to be circling around Camelback Ranch. So I'd love to be able to get out there, get some pictures, get some first looks, and we'll see what we can do. All right, fingers crossed. Come on, White Sox. All right, well, thanks for doing this. It's been fun. And hey, listen, we're ending on a great note. You're 3-0, teams over 500, not going to have a, a losing spring, which is always nice. Who cares about spring? But it's, it's better than a lousy losing record. And so you know, we're going to take the momentum into Anaheim, Seattle, pff, what? Six and one was a seven game start. Six and one? Seven and oh, if I'm there. See, again, bad <laughs> bag. Yeah, seven and oh, if you're there. Uh, good pick, bad cop again. I gave him a loss. But uh, yeah, hey, we got opening day uh, Thursday. Uh, but thanks for being a part of this, Sean. And, and let's do some more real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And always down to do a podcast whenever you need me. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, sometimes even watching and reading. As always, we got a lot of podcast activity this week. It's opening week. So keep on reading, watching and listening. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll be back with more podcasts real soon.